This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Bishop Rob Wright, and we are back. Uh, uh, This is Four People, a podcast about God and leadership and about redemption. We're on with our new friend, Lawrence Bell, who is telling us a story of redemption. So, Lawrence, uh, you were wrongly incarcerated 30 years in one day, and then you walk out of jail. Tell us uh, specifically about some of the new friends that you made uh, while incarcerated that helped you walk out of prison that day. Okay, so uh, first again, I, I always, I always give, give, I lift up my brother Russell Owen, um, wonderful guy. Uh, thank God he's finally coming home. Um, but most, uh, very importantly to to, the, to to this story and to the people that I met. Um, there's a woman, an attorney named Jennifer Saletti. She works for the uh, New Jersey Office of the Public Defender. Her, Alicia Hubbard, um, Jared Dorfman, and Ashley Jackson. These are the, these people. So one day, I have to tell you this story. One day I was in the prison. I worked in the prison law library. And they called me from work and said that I had an attorney visit. I was not expecting an attorney visit. I was not um you know, I, I mean, I had some motions in the court, but I was operating pro se at the time. So I wasn't expecting an attorney visit. So I came down and I went to this room and here were these four people along five people. Cause there was also an, an investigator named Eric Hollinger there. And they told me, listen, um, you know, in, in light of some recent court rulings, Miller versus Alabama, uh, um, you may have some relief coming in the courts and we want to help you get it. But they wanted to know my story. So we sat and we talked for about two hours. Everything from my life, like basically the things that I've told you today, but in a longer fashion. And at the end of the story, or at the end of our conversation, Jennifer told me that, um, she said, I can't make you any promises, but what I can tell you is that I'm going to fight as hard as I can to get you out of prison. And she stuck true to that. She is a, 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 a fierce fierce advocate of right and protection and all of those things. She's no longer my attorney. She's actually my friend. I call her my sister. We, we, um, like she, she was the first face that I saw when I walked out of the prison door. Um, wow. So I, wow. I, I have, I have to, and then, and, and, and I also have to, you know, lift up, uh, um, uh, uh, Professor Toby Sanders, Professor Reverend Toby Sanders, uh, he he was integral in this part. Like, the, so while I was in prison, I, um, as I told you, I invested I invested very heavily in my education, and throughout the course of, and through the course of my education, I, uh, uh, through Rutgers, I came across some very generous and, and good-hearted people. Uh, um, I had taken classes from Professor Chris Hedges, um, who has become my mentor and my dearest friend, one of my dearest friends. Um, I had taken some uh, some classes from Cornell West and he and I sat down and talked and he was just like, like uh, he wrote on my behalf to, to try to compel the court to get me out uh, um, or to at least give me a chance. You know, no one ever said, let him out of prison. Right. It, it, it was the idea. The, the notion was like, listen, your honor, we don't know if he did it or if he didn't do it. But what we know is, is that he is not that person that they said he was all those years ago. Give him a chance to be heard. Um, so th- through my through my 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 college through my collegiate uh, uh career i made i built a community of, of friends and supporters of genuine friends and supporters who 
they they rallied together in such a way. Like like I have to tell you, like when I when I um went back from my resentencing, they packed the courtroom with professors and college students and everybody <laughs> just there in support of me. Like they they flew my the, the the remaining family that I had in. Like they just they they just made sure that the judge was aware of the fact that this is not a man that's coming home without any support. Like we're here for him. And when I walked out the prison doors, there was a parking lot full of people. Uh, um, waiting for me from some of my like my, one of my other brothers that, that I'm, and I'm so sorry I didn't mention him, but his name is Anton Henshaw. Um, we call him Tone. He he served 30 years and went home and started a grassroots program called Meet Him at the Gate, where former prisoners go and pick up prisoners being released and they bring them clothes and money and all the things that these guys are going to need. But the idea is, if we don't take care of each other, then how can we ask anyone else to help us? So it, it, it's, um, you know, you, you, uh, that, that, that picture you painted a packed courtroom of supporters, uh, even that, even that, that, that room with five folks in it, as you retold your story. And then certainly a, a packed parking lot when you walk out reminds me of uh, that, that wonderful Bible verse that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? Uh, even even when uh, you can't see them physically, we we should be reminded that we are surrounded uh, by by uh, you know by people who love us, care for us, uh, see our value, worth, and dignity. Uh, I, I and, and I'm so glad for these angels, uh, Lawrence. That's what I would call them. These these angels, these messengers who show up in our lives. Um, uh, and, and, and I know I've got my own group of people who, w- without whom I don't know where I would be, uh, frankly speaking, but I, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dig a little deeper with you about this because somehow you don't seem to, to, uh, I don't sense any malice in you. I don't, I don't sense any, um, uh, vengeance in you, uh, for someone treated so badly by our, our, our judicial system uh, and, and by our police. Um, uh, uh, how, did, how do you get here today with, without just a, a burning anger and vengeance? How, tell, tell us about your interior life. Well, how, what, how, is there a Bible verse? I mean, is there a scripture? You, you, you've quoted a couple reverends so far. Uh, you are a, a practicing Muslim. Uh, what happened to you internally? Uh, how did you process all of this? Well, the, 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 I'll start by answering one of the questions. Um, don't be misled. There is an anger inside of me. Yeah. But it's, it's that anger that I that, that, that fuels me to do the work. Um, vengeance, it, it's vengeance. Vengeance is mine. So saith the Lord. I, I, I kind of just like, like I'm not. I just have an understanding that I would lose if I chose to live my life in in a way where bitterness and anger consumed me, right? I, I just, I, I just, I just made a decision and, and people helped me make a decision that, that, that I can't live my life that way because then I would still be incarcerated. Right. And I'm not talking about physically incarcerated. I'm talking about mentally and emotionally incarcerated. And, you know, um, so I, so, so, so I, it's, it's interesting. Well, not, it's interesting to me, but, one of the reasons why I became Muslim is because I was in the Camden County Jail. I was in lockup. Um, they had me, when I first went into the Camden County Jail, I, I spent 
uh, five months in 23 and one lockdown, 23 hours in a cell, one hour out of the cell for a shower, phone call, whatever the case may be, because I was a juvenile and they were afraid to put me in population. So, um, so I was in the cell with no TV, no radio, like very little to read, very little to do, literally counting bricks on the wall. That's what I, how I would pass my day. Um, but eventually someone sent, someone sent me, uh, I, I reached out to some people that I knew, like, listen, I need something to read. I need something to do. Send me some magazines. So someone sent me some magazines, but in the bottom of the, in the bag of magazines, excuse me, there was a Quran. And, um, the other part of the story that, 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 that like, like a lot of people don't realize is that when I lost my mother, I kind of turned my back on the notion of God in general. Um, I just felt like, like, like at nine years old, like, like I had probably the deepest conversation with myself that a nine-year-old can have. Like, but it was just the notion of like, there can't be a God. Why would God take from me the, why would this loving and merciful God that I've been raised to acknowledge take away from me the one thing that the, the one person that I know loved me that I needed so much. Um, so by the time I was 14 years old, I had kind of like given up this whole notion of God. Like, like it's, I kind of counted it along with the Easter bunny, but uh, so this person put the Quran in the bottom of the thing with a little note on it. Was like, just read it, right? So when I got it, of course, I threw it up on the shelf. Like, man, I'm not reading this. I don't want nothing to do with this. So I read the the Write On magazine, the Word Up magazine, the Basketball magazine, and eventually I was left with just this Quran in there. And and, and it's funny because we had like a me and the Quran. When I say we, we had like a um, almost like a like a like a week long staring down contest. Like, I'm not gonna read it. I'm not gonna read it. I, um, and then one day, and, and I don't know why, I don't know, you know, what compelled me to do it, but I just got up and I opened it. Like, I just literally just opened it like, man, let me see what this. So when the first thing you've seen, it was Arabic written on one side of the page and then English on the other side of the page. So I'm like, man, what kind of scribble scrabble is this on this? Like, what kind of foolishness is this? Um, but I ended up opening to, I ended up opening to a chapter in the Quran called Aduhad, the smoke. And it's it starts the English translation when you when you read it it says by uh, uh, by the smoky by the smoky by the smoky dawn when the sun is high surely your Lord has not forsaken you verily he found you an orphan and gave you family he found you destitute and made you wealthy uh, and, and it, it just like as it read on it just felt like everything that I had went through in my life was being said right there. Like I found you poor and I made you rich. Now, of course the, the translation is I made you rich in knowledge, rich in love, rich in, you know, I found you an orphan and I gave you a family brotherhoods, the people that was around you. Um, and, and I like, when I read it, it is, it's only 11 verses. It's only 11 verses to that chapter. Um, and, and it literally, it, it, it made me cry for the first time since I had been incarcerated. Like I had built up this wall of just like, like, man, I don't care what, like, what it's going to be, what it's going to be. That street mentality of, man, I, I, I got to keep the face up. And um, it just stuck with me. And it made me, it, it made me start thinking uh, on my lack of understanding of God, right? Like, 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 like maybe it was like, like I started feeling like maybe it was my turning my back on God that allowed me to be in the situation that I was in. Um, and it, it just, I don't know. It, 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 at 14 years old, those verses moved me in, in such a way that like it, it, it forced me to learn Arabic. Wow. Literally yeah. because I, because I wanted to be able to recite it. Um, 
and, and, and that was that, that was like a defining moment in my life. Like like I I was I felt in I felt in that moment that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to be okay. That 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 God would hold me. That God would, yeah. would, would 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 walk me through it, even though I had in my own way like distanced myself from Him. I just felt like that was that moment of God pulling me back to Him. Hi, listeners, and thank you for listening to Four People. To first-time listeners, we encourage you to subscribe. Keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. You know, uh, this is this is the marvel of, of of Holy Scripture, right? It 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 locates you. It finds you. It gives, it gives, uh, it's a friend to us. It gives us the words to help us understand our situation, to not feel alone in our situation. Um, it, 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 it helps us to understand that we are not alone. In other words, if this verse uh, was written, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, how many people have felt exactly that way? And how many people's chin was lifted up to, to know that the Lord has not, in fact, forsaken us and that we are not irredeemable, right? So in some ways, that Bible verse, that Quran verse speaks directly back to, uh, to that judge. So, so I, I, you know, you, you, you found your mooring, you found your North Star, uh, you get the, the, the conversation about God gets invigorated. God is now not the Easter Bunny. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving along now. You walk out of jail 30 years in one day to a, a parking lot full of, uh, of new brothers and sisters. You are situated literally in a family of faith uh, and in a family of, of well-wishers. Now, uh, what do you do next? I mean, you know, you, you know the, 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 the dragon has been slayed. What do, you, what do you do next? What are you committed to when you walk out of there? Um, the first thing that I, the, 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 my major commitment was to finish school, was to uh, finish up at Rutgers, um, because I had heard of so many people that started school and then came home and didn't finish it. Um, so I, I committed myself to, to first finishing my, my education because education has, a, a, along with my faith, literally saved my life. Um, I, I like to tell people that I've, that, that I've read and wrote my way out of prison, right? Uh, simply be, be, because my education enabled me to understand on a so much deeper level what it was that I was reading and writing as I was writing briefs and arguments and things like that. But I also committed myself probably more importantly than that, but I needed to do that first, but more importantly, what, to, to, to be a, a, a vessel of change, like, like to just, I just felt like I, I really committed myself to the notion of if, I don't like what happened to me, then I need to see this undone systematically, right? This process, this notion of even charging or, or treating children as adults, right? It, it, it's, it's, uh, um, and, and I read, I read, uh, Brian Stevenson's book, uh, uh, just mercy. Sure. And, and, and I watched his podcast and he, once he says something that, that made so much sense to me and it put in, in perspective, in perspective, what it is that I want to do, right? And during his, it was during a TED talk. And what he said was, um, he had a, he, he had a, a, a defendant that he was defending and 
<clears throat> excuse me, the prosecution had motioned the court to treat, to try this child as an adult, to treat him like an adult. And he was so affronted by the notion that he wrote a, a motion to the court saying, Your Honor, since the state is asking you to treat my defend my my my, my client like an adult, right? I'm going to motion to court to ask you to treat my client like a wealthy white child from an affluent family, right? Now, we all knew, I mean, if you really think about what that says, we know that it wasn't going to fly, but it, it, it kind of, it, it, it's, it just flies in the face of what we know, right? And, and it just clarified for me what it is, this notion of treating a child like an adult. In every other circumstances in, in the world, we try to make our children remain children, Right? We don't want, you can't drive into your certain age, you can't drink to your certain age, you can't join the military, you can't buy a house, you can't, there's so many things that we can't do because of your childhood. And we understand that it's, it's because you're not responsible enough, you haven't matured enough, you're not ready for. But in a singular instance, we say we're going to treat you like an adult. And the most interesting part of that, uh, uh, Bishop Wright, is, right, I was, ch- I was charged as an adult and went to trial as an adult. Had I been successful and beat my trial, won my trial, was found not guilty, I would have been reverted right back to a child status. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to be treated like an adult anymore. So I, I say all yeah. that to say that, that, that my, it just, the thing that I became committed to is really, really, really protect our babies. Protect our babies in the way that this system is not designed to do. Um, and, and and that's where that's where I'm going to spend my life and my energies at. It, it is trying to find ways to and and and, and I, I want to clarify this for everybody because I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that you know when 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 these when our children commit acts because they do, they do. They, I'm saying that they should go unpunished, right? But it's the same. It's the same. I mean, if you really think about, so, so the developing brain science tells us that at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, children don't even have, most of them, if you took a, a, a MRI of their brain, that you will not even find an image in their prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for your higher executive functions, your long-term planning, your risk reward assessment, all of those type things. The, the, the biggest part of your, of your brain that is developed at that point is, is your hypothalamus, which is the part that is thrill seeking that, that, you know, it, it, it's, you, this is why children jump off of cliffs and that adrenaline rush. Um, so, so it, it, it's, it's, Nonsense. I, I I don't know no other way to say it. It's just nonsense yeah. that, that 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 we that that we allow this to go on. So this is this is where I, I'm just. We have to want better and and demand better, and I think that part of us as a people demanding better is us being aware of what's actually going on. Uh, you know, knowledge yeah. is and understanding that this is a long fight. You know, one of one of my one of my favorite favorite quotes, and I think it applies so so vividly to my life is Dr. Martin Luther King said that the arc of justice is is long, right? So it's not just a quick drop, right? That this is a fight that that, that we as a community have to take on and stay invested in until we get what it is that we need, and that is just care care for our children for our communities for our for for give treat our children the way that 
you treat your children. And it's not about race. I'm, so I, I want to say this because I know at times it can come off like, like I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, of like, um, like a, a critical race theory and things like that. And that's really not really, my mother was Irish. My mother was white. I'm half white. I, I, I am, uh, I identify as a black man, of course, because my father was black because my existential existence is black. But my, but I'm half white. My mother was white. So I don't have a racist bone in my body. But I do understand that the system, the criminal justice system, economic system, our systems are built from a place of less than, right? And we have to pick somewhere to start changing that. And why not with the place that, that, that impacts us more disparately than any other place? There's a five to one ratio right. of, young, of, of young black children being charged as adults. Oh. So, huh. Lawrence, you, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I feel I, like I, I got I got off track. No, no, not at all. In, in fact, um, you know that 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 you know what what grabbed me uh, right there was that you said we've got to care. We, we've got to care, and I, I think uh, specifically we've got to care about how our young people are being treated uh, in the criminal justice system. Uh, you know, it, it, wonderful, wonderful uh, Bible verse again comes to mind where Jesus said, you know, uh, you didn't care about the prisoner. So how can you say you care about me? That's that's if we turn that Bible verse on its on its head. And, you know, uh, I'm just reminded that as people of faith and the people of goodwill and the people of belonging, community and dignity, if we don't spend a lot of time worrying about what the bottoms are. Right, the bottoms of civilization, the bottoms of society, et cetera. Somehow Jesus is saying that that's connected to our heights and our aspirations. And so if the if we don't raise the floor height about how we take care of each other and how we care for one another, especially the most vulnerable among us, young people, then uh then perhaps our, our civilization and our society has, you know, gaping holes in it. I I uh you know, as bishop, you know, I I, I hear a lot say, well, Bishop, thank you for inspiring us and, you know, on these on these sorts of things. But I got to tell you, Lawrence, you've inspired me today. Um, you've inspired me today just to be able to hear, you know, a little bit about your story in the in the time that we have had is just it just. Um, it helps me to remember uh, about the gaps in care and uh, that there are people like you who. I love that you claim that you have anger, but you're channeling it, right? You're looking back. And, and I talk in terms of purpose all the time. So what's the fire in us? And the fire in us is I don't want this to happen to anybody else. You know, that's what it sounds like the fire is uh, in you. And so I just want to say on behalf of a lot of grateful listeners today, thank you so very much for just, you know, having the courage to just put it all out there and to risk vulnerability and tell us your story. Um, if, if people want to be in touch with you, Lawrence, um, and hear a little bit more for themselves, how, how do we do that? Yeah, you can, you can email me at, uh, Sabir, S-A-B-I-R 75-B-E-L-L at gmail.com. And I thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to tell a little bit of my story. Um, again, my, my only hope is, is that in some ways, in, in some small way that, 
it becomes a benefit to someone else, right? And and also to any to, to any of the any children who may be who who may be listening, right? And, and this will be my final, my uh, not my final, but my parting my parting advice to to some of these children. Um, and this is the thing that that, that I know firsthand is that you have to be very careful out there in, the, in in this world, right? You don't have to necessarily do anything to find yourself in a bad situation. It's very easy to go to prison. It's very hard to get out. And don't be fooled by 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 the notion of I don't have to I, that, that I didn't do it right. Sometimes just being with or being around is enough. So I say that to say choose your friends wisely, right? The prophet, the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that a man takes on the characteristics of the friends of the people that he, of his friends of the people that he's around. It's so important in, in, in this society today to surround yourself or attempt to surround yourself with people who are doing the right things, right? There's nothing cool or fun about prisons and gangs. And I'm telling you, I've been through it all. Take, take, take this advice as a lifesaver for you. Take heed friends. Take heed, take heed. Well, if, uh, if we become who our friends are, I've become a little bit better for being with you today. Uh, Lawrence, thank you so very much. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is four people. I'm Bishop Rob Wright. God bless you until next time.